following podcast was recorded about a week and a half ago, shortly after the conclusion of the best TV character of the 21st century bracket competition at The Ringer. Hello, this is the latest episode of Heavy Decibel Operations, a, a special one with Jeff Klingman. Jeff, how's it going? Not so bad. How about yourself? Good. Um, we've encountered some some connection issues, so we're going to skip any preamble and go into the, the meat of the discussion, which is, um, you know, God bless him, the ringer uh, decided to do a March Madness style uh, competition to see the best, to determine the best character, television character of the 21st century. Um, we are recording this shortly after Michael Scott was declared victorious over Walter White. Uh, we're not going to spend too much time on um, getting into the weeds on whether their picks were good. We're just going to use it as a springboard. I, I will say that um, having uh, pretty much everyone involved in this blog, or sorry, this podcast was also involved in a early 2000s MP3 blog uh, where we did a couple of things like this to find, to determine the best album of the 90s, which I believe was um, Neutral Milk Hotel ended up winning, I think, and the best Radiohead song, and the archives are lost to the internet ether, so I don't know who won that. But uh, that's just a way of saying that these things are very much determined by the audience you've cultivated and there's a specific type of ringer audience that makes it not uh, unsurprising that Michael Scott won. Um, Yeah, it's, I, I, my, my, besides the format of content for people shutting in their houses, like anytime that somebody decides by mass vote, what the best cultural thing or most important cultural thing was, um, it's probably more correct than um, a couple of editors deciding it, but it's also always more wrong. <laughs> like, like I believe that this could be an accurate representation of what people liked and what they responded to, which is all well and good and, um, you know, has a, some sort of a self-selecting data purpose, but also um, it tells you nothing about whether a piece of culture or art was actually objectively good. Right. Uh, agreed. I, uh, and since we are only two and we've set the stage that only a true democracy of thousands of people can get it wrong as, <laughs> as just two people, we will clearly get it right. And I, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that you agree with me that, uh, Chief Michael Scott in it. Formulation of your statement. No, I do agree that Michael Scott is not the greatest TV character of the tw- of the 21st century. Yes. Um, and I mean the 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 key to the discussion there is basically what you mean by a good character. And it seems for a lot of these um, characters, it's um, a very identifiable character. Tend the um, what's rewarded here, right. at least. 
And um, in the final four here, there are Michael Scott is actually um, up against quote unquote, just <laughs> note the eye roll at the, at the uh, athletic competition framing of it, but against Ron Swanson. And those are both characters created uh, by shows that were show run by Michael Shore, who made, yeah. um, who made the office, who made parks and recreation and more recently made the good place. And um, I, you know, I have enjoyed all of those shows as a piece, but I don't really think they're populated with good characters because they are, you know, it's like a bunch of memes <laughs> stacked yeah. up together in that, you know, they don't really, no matter what their objectionable characteristics are, they all succeed beyond their wildest expectations. Right. Everybody on a Michael Shore show gets a happy ending. And I mean, that might be kind of satisfying, but I don't think it's it makes for good character building. And I don't think it makes for a good story. Yeah. And we, I think, agree that the. The the best type of the character, this is kind of what you said, the character most likely to win is the character that remains remains the same and so they lean into themselves and they become sort of a super uh super powerful version of themselves there's basically two different types of character arcs the character arc that um you know if you've written a show with plot the external world is interacting with and projecting onto the character the character either changes as a result of the variability of the environment or they lean into themselves and they just become a more um uh a more aggressive version of themselves and i think that's a highlight of a michael sure comedy you take um Aziz Ansari's character in uh, Parks and Recreation, and I would I would say the same uh, to you uh, that you know I have watched these shows. I have not watched them religiously. I've not. I don't think they're bad. I don't think they're great by any stretch of the imagination. And um, you know I'm struggling to. So Aziz Ansari's character, you know the the show will have beats where he's not self-absorbed and you know he has a good dynamic with um with uh i believe her real name is retta or no her character name is retta the um the woman that uh, red is the actress red is the actress. i think donna is the character yes okay so um that they have you know they are sort of collective in their their selfishness that, you know, they form a bond in that and they have tender moments with themselves. Like all these shows have moments of, of uh, people being tender or learning in a situation, but they revert back to the same character and they become more aggressive versions of themselves. And to me, that's not, you know, no, no person just people change based on what happens to them. And you rarely see that in that show. I don't think you saw that with Michael Scott. And I don't think as a result, I don't think, I don't look at that and say, wow, that was a really well sketched out character. Well, two things that I, I think are, are, um, you know, 
pertinent here is that there's a difference between a good performance or an engaging performance and a good character, number one. Mm-hmm. Because I think Ron Swanson is is a perfect example of that, where it's like Nick Offerman's fantastic, super amusing, really engaging, like that's really a star-making performance. But that character is incoherent. Like yes. it's a hardcore libertarian who hates the government but works in the government, but is really nice to all his friends and is really like self-sufficient but wants everybody to succeed and is also a secret jazz musician who is just a big cuddly softy bear. And it's like it doesn't make any any sense. It's like it's it's um it's just held together by a winning performance, which is, you know, uh, if you put Nick Offerman on a list of like the best TV performers of the century, then fair. But I just don't think it's a very good character. Right. Um, but then the second point, which is perfectly, which is to keep in mind, is that I think there's a real difference between characters on dramas and characters on sitcoms. I think it's a lot easier to be a coherent and satisfying character on a drama than it is to be uh, a winning personality on a sitcom because they're just, they're different forms and they have different purposes. Right. So like if you're a, just a joke machine, basically um, I don't particularly see that as a great character necessarily, but it can be amusing within the, you know, within the confines of a 30 minute ent- piece of entertainment. Right. So a good thought experiment, and I'm not going to put you on the spot right now, but let's try and go back to it, is to try and think of a good character where you think the performance is not good. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, that one's tricky. Because I don't know. I think it's a lot easier to think of the opposite, where it's like a good performance, but when you're thinking about a character, it's just, it doesn't ring true, or it doesn't, you know, it just doesn't. It, it, it doesn't resemble real life even in a way that's entertaining enough to, to, to get over the, get over that handicap. So I'm going to throw one out to you. I'm, I, I reserve the right to change my mind, but I'm thinking right now that um, a good performance, but a bad character is uh, Aaron Paul's uh, Jesse Pinkman. I right. I did not like to me he was kind of the least interesting part of Breaking Bad. Um and you know, I think he I think he's a good actor. I think he can do pathos really well, but from you know, his arc I thought was less interesting than a majority of the other arcs on the show. I don't know if you have thoughts on that. Well, I mean, it's the whole the purpose of that character is to um is to throw out best laid plans right like he's a complicated agent (laughs) in that okay here's this cool clinical plan that i did but like this emotional like raw nerve of a character messes it up because they can't they can't see the rationality so therefore they're like it's more like an it seems sometimes less like a character than an obstacle, but it's or a good plot device. Yeah. But I mean, it's, I think it's a good performance. I mean, um, 
you know, uh, Saul Goodman's on here and uh, Bob Odenkirk is, you know, one of my favorite people of the, of the, of the last 30 years as a performer. And I think, you know, that match of performer and uh, character has proven fertile enough to support a whole new TV show. Right coherently whereas like if you watch the breaking bad follow-up movie like nobody needed that right. yeah like it, it didn't it didn't add anything but like the match of performer and character with um you know bob odenkirk and jimmy mcgill or saul goodman um has sort of proven that like i think you would have to say that that's a much better character because um you they've been scratching at the surface for another four years now. And it's, 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 it's still plumbing new depths and all being coherent. So, I mean, it's, it's both, but I, I do think that uh, the problem with this format and with this, the way it's discussed here is that anything that's a cult character or anything that is on something that wasn't seen by a lot of people is just doomed. Right. So there's this pretense that it is sort of definitively declaring the best character. And, you know, there's all sorts of problems with that. You could say the most popular character or whatever, but it's, you might as well just have eight names. And I know that's less content, but there's no pretense that anything that isn't mega popular was ever going to get to the end. Right. Yeah. I mean, there are other ways to do that where, you know, they could have easy enough to, you know, tap into an API from IMDB or something where it's an auto fill and like, maybe you get a hundred points and you can associate them however you want. So if you think one character is, you know, you feel very strongly about, you give them, you associate a large percentage of your points. Um, But also, yeah, the fact that, you know, a century or not a century of the century, so 20 years, and they started with 64, they ranked them. So they, and, you know, they were definitely um, ranking from the perspective of popularity. Uh, Yeah, I mean, what do you... Do you know of, do you see anyone offhand that you would say is absolutely one of the 64 best characters of, of the century that didn't even make it to the competition? Oh, I have a really deep list. I mean, well, it, 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 there's a lot of multiple characters from the same pool of shows. Um, and I think, in terms of people who aren't on here, who I think are sort of criminally overlooked, like I would say, um, I mean, I think that the character of Veronica Mars, I don't believe is on here anywhere. I'm scanning, I'm scanning. Um, And I think that that's a really indelible performance and an interesting character. Um, I think that uh, any number of people from the, just the same uh, showrunner there uh, on the show party down, Oh yeah. Could be like, I think every speaking role on that show could be on here. And I would argue that like Ken Marino's Ron Donald should be, should run away with it. Yeah. Like, I mean, cause that's the rare instance of uh, a sitcom where it it's 
hilariously funny, but every character is grounded more in their motivation than telling a joke. Yeah. Like you could, like everybody on that show has a really clear motivation and Ron Donald's is to open a super crackers yeah. soup franchise. <laughs> and so everything is geared towards him um, attaining that goal. And when he gets it and it can't work out for him, everything is like, he's a broken man for many episodes. Right. And it, and it all makes sense. Like it's not, um, it's not like one episode. It's like, Oh, like, here's a funny situation to put this guy in. It's like, it's an arc of him coming back from like a horrible life goal situation, like being pulled out from him. So, I mean, I think any number of um, very well-written characters from smaller shows in, you know, my own personal ranking, not in this format would, would be on there. I think, um, before the Laura Dern renaissance, like her character Amy Jellico from the HBO show Enlightened um, is one of the best drawn characters, uh, you know, on anything I've seen and certainly a better performance than the more celebrated stuff that she's been recognized for recently. Um, I think that uh, Kenny Powers is on here, but I think that like Walton Goggins completely unhinged portrayal of vice principal Lee Russell <laughs> perhaps just in the sitcom world belongs here. Um, and those are just sitcoms that I think are better written than the Michael Schur sitcoms. I mean, if you get the drama, there's a lot more too. The thing that this, that this list um, reveals to me about me, <laughs> which is what everybody wants to talk about, obviously, is that uh, I think my taste in sitcoms and comedies diverges a lot more from the popular opinion than my taste right. in dramas. Okay, that makes sense. Because I think really dark material that um, doesn't end happily for people strikes me as much better written, whether that's just a personal bias. I mean, it probably is. But characters like Forrest McNeil from Review, (laughs) who is a completely tragic dunce in wacky situations, but that character is both consistent and the joke is that he he learns nothing ever. Um, you know, the, I think that, um, Allison Williams character of Marnie on girls is actually fantastic, um, in terms of, uh, really kind of coherent satire of a certain sort of person, but never mugging to the camera to the point that people just hated her with a blind right. fury, <laughs> like, and assigned no art to the performance at all. Um, I think that kind of makes for an indelible character because it kind of defines something about a, about a time and about a place. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, like everybody else, love The Sopranos and love Mad Men and love sort of these great dramas that are, you know, all over this list. Um, but I think in a lot of ways, a character like... Uh, like Pete Campbell, who's on this list, is actually maybe the best character on the show. And I don't think that um, he and by saying that, I don't mean at all that he's the most admirable or the coolest, like he's the least admirable and the least right. cool. But but it's I think it's possibly the best written because um, 
in any other show, the character who's sort of like, he's really like his political views are probably the most progressive of anybody on the show, which is funny to say, and always come from the wrong place, like about always come from the place of like, hey, like, look at this, things are changing. This is how we're going to make money in the future. But, um, you know, he's awful and a weasel (laughs) and a great portrayal of somebody who's awful and a weasel. And I think it's hard to um, account for truly unlikable characters and truly uncool characters in an environment like this. Well, I I also think uh, that the the characters that are going to appear to be, uh, to get more prominence are either those that are outsized in an ensemble or those that kind of are, you know, the whole thing is built around them. And, uh, you know, there aren't others. It's it's much like, you know, in sports and MVP vote, if you are playing next to another presumptive MVP, you guys might split your your votes. Um, Because, like, I think... You know, Gus Fring to me is an incredibly interesting character who is because you you have you don't exactly know his motivations. Um, you know, it seems like why not just run some restaurants and you know make a, a stable living without having to worry about the drug trade. Uh, but he's not; he's reserved, and so he didn't even make the list. They chose other people from. Breaking Bad. Um, uh, I think uh, I don't know if you've watched Halt and Catch Fire, but uh-huh. I think Lee Pace's character is one of the most interesting uh, that I've seen. In I mean that that's an underrepresented show in general because I also think that uh, Mackenzie Davis's Cameron character is yes. fantastic. Um, and Donna, I, I don't know the actress's name, but. Uh, all the four main characters on that show and um, the older Texan guy, Toby. (laughs) his name. I mean, there's that show runs deep with very well drawn written and performed characters. Um, I mean, well, I guess if we're being real though, like the best character and the best performance of the century is it's not even close. It's not even close. It's like King Lear. Um, like if it was a Broadway play, like people would be waiting till they got to a certain age where they could credibly portray Tony, Tony Soprano. Um, Who would you, all right. So we've, we've established that and we're going to go, we can go a little deeper into exactly why that is, but who would like using the, uh, the ringer criteria where they limited entries into this bracket to three per show, who would be your other two? And in which from this Um, bracket, yeah. From the Sopranos. Um, I mean, it's tough because the uh, Livia, the mother, you know, the actress passed on. So that character is sort of played out by surrogate characters. Like they brought on Janice and they brought on various love interests right. for Tony. Um, but, you know, I Christopher is <laughs> ranks pretty high, actually. Um, in terms of like just weakness and motivation and like the arc that that character has. Um, 
I think that Janice is sort of great in the same uh, Pete Campbell way of like, like just gets vilified, you know, sort of vilified and overlooked because it's such a unlikable character. Um, but I think that basically her role on the show took over for, for, for Livia when that character had to be written off. So if there was a way to combo like Livia and Janice, I know that's a cheat, but I would throw that in there. Um, I think most of the mobsters, like who are the peripheral characters are actually more comic relief. Not that they're not, you know, really intriguing. Um, and I think, you know, uh, I, there was sort of nothing but great characters on that. Show. Yeah, I, I do. Like, I think um, Steve Van Sant is much more to me of a background um, as you said, kind of serving as, as comic relief or serving a purpose. But I do think Tony Sirico's character has like maybe 70% of the time, it's kind of one note, uh, but the 30%, the stuff in the margins, uh, I think is, is fantastic. And the reason why, the, yeah, I, I mean, Polly Polly Walnuts, Walnuts, yeah. You mean? and my other one would probably maybe be if I'm going for a left field one, uh, Johnny sack because yeah, he's, sure. he sort of represented, uh, the New York boss, um, kind of represented a, uh, almost like a, 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 fil- a camera into what you would presume to be the, the other boroughs or the other crime families, um, I don't know their their window into the way that the Soprano uh, syndicate operated with you know a, a, a mixture of um, of derision, a mixture of uh, weariness, or, um, but also you know the I I just think the their ability to go deep into the homes of of these mobsters is is something that you know and they seemingly did it very well so that that was you could absolutely see to our earlier conversation the environment impacting all these people and they did i wouldn't say that their arc was linear they changed and they went back and they they progressed and they regressed but they they changed they moved um yeah and i mean I I wouldn't call him top three, certainly, but justice for AJ Soprano, who, uh, <laughs> like, though much derided, probably the most derided part of the show, is a perfectly drawn character of a spoiled little shit who, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, who just lived in, you know, New Jersey McMansions of the late 90s, just full with, like, just rap rock posters and, like, it's, 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 it's 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 drawn from real life and people are made uncomfortable by how realistic that character was so yes this is for aj um well in the just you know as we're wrapping up uh a few characters i wanted to shout out that weren't on here um who i think are fantastic um i think that uh in recent times uh jeremy irons as adrian veit on the watchmen show mm-hmm uh is just 
one of the best like just hammy performances you'll ever see um a very different villain uh i thought um bd wong's white rose on mr robot when that show wasn't too deep off the rails was pretty great and interesting yeah um i thought that i rewatched uh for comedies i rewatched uh bored to death recently and i think that show has sort of been falling down the memory hole but uh ted danson on that show is probably the best non-sam malone ted danson i'd say mm-hmm. um as you know sort of <laughs> like stoner uh magazine publisher um i loved more recently um lodge 49 is a show that i think is fantastic um Mm -hmm. all the characters there are great um and sort of a thomas pynchon character slightly absurd kind of mold um anybody on party down (laughs) is the best character on tv um i i loved uh I really liked the wire characters got a lot of love in this list, but I actually think um, it's certainly not better, but I think the deuce was pretty underrated. Um, and I think the, the actress who played the, the main porn star character, Lori gave a fantastic performance of, of a really good character. Um, yeah. Oh, and uh, uh, Kirsten Dunst on Fargo season two, shout out to her complete yeah. suburban lunacy. So for me, um, I would say uh, both Sharon Hogan and Rob Delaney on Catastrophe. I don't think they were no. included. I don't, maybe there was a, a limiting it to the, the U.S., but I feel like, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Malcolm from... In the Thick of It. In the Thick of It, yeah. Malcolm Tucker. Um, what else have I seen? I mean, I, I, you know, I think they did a pretty good job. I might quibble with the, the Deadwood characters. I, and, you know, I don't think, uh, Al Swearinger, he did, he lost to Noho Hank from Barry, which is an incredibly one note character, yeah. um, which maybe demonstrates the, um, the, the challenge, in the beginning. Um, well, there's no more one note character than Dougie Jones, <laughs> who sadly didn't succeed. <laughs> uh, and all justice, uh, where, where, justice for Jim Belushi from Twin Peaks season three, also. Where Where is uh, uh, Michael Sarah from, from <laughs> Reboot? Oh, man. <laughs> two minute, uh, whatever that was. Uh, from, yeah. That that's the most that's one of the most unhinged performances on television this yeah. century, just a Marlon Brando impression for no reason. Um, yeah. But anyway, TV's good. Some of these characters are good, yeah. and some of them are bad. <laughs> yeah. The, the end. end.